Welcome to the Storyteller's Lab podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today, we are thrilled to bring you a story from our first live gathering in Vestavia. Since March, this past, uh, a few weeks ago, we were outside in my backyard, distance, mask, ready to go. And we had an amazing time. The weather was beautiful, and it was so great to just be back with storytellers. I know, know. you know, it it was so, it was reiterating to me of why you started Storytellers was to create community because so many women came to hear the story and Lauren's story was just full of so much wisdom for me. It was a lot about what we talk about with women, releasing control. And so we named it Open Hands because she talks a lot about opening her hands and releasing control to God. I think you're gonna get a lot out of it today. So here's Lauren's story. We're also excited that Bulo Solutions is sponsoring today's podcast episode. Due to the pressures from the pandemic, one in four women, including one in three mothers, are considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce. Other women are facing the reality of financial loss and need to return to work. If this sounds familiar to you, you need to know about Bulo. Bulo is a recruitment platform that connects women, mostly moms, to companies who offer flexible and remote jobs and recognize the value that women bring to the workforce. Bulo can help you find project, temporary, part-time, or full-time roles. Go to Bulo Solutions, that's B-O-U-L-O solutions.com to sign up for the free service today and get one step closer to finding a flexible job that fits your personal and professional goals. Be sure to follow Bulo Solutions on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for the sponsorship, Bulo. Before we get into today's story, we wanted to talk to you guys one more time about the Cambodia campaign to build a well. I just wanted you guys to know I've been to Africa on several occasions on mission trips and been able to see firsthand just the need that these people have for clean water. Um, The miles that they walk in bare feet on dirt roads to reach a river um, to get water is, is what I've seen. And so we're trying to help the Cambodia community in building this well to allow women to just go straight to it to get water for their families. And you know, you've also heard us talk about it's not just about clean water, it's about living water and sharing the gospel as well. So if you're if you're like me, I listen to these stories and I think, oh that's nice, I'll go do that later, and then I just forget. So I'm just asking you right now, I'm challenging you, stop the podcast, go to storytellerslive.org, click on the Cambodia campaign and just give. It can be five dollars. Every little bit helps. That's right, Katie. And we are excited. Storytellers Live community, y'all have stepped up. We have raised $3,000 of our $4,500 goal. And we cannot wait to see how many of you will respond this next week. Again, like Katie said, it's not the amount. We're just asking you to give $5, $10, $20, whatever works for you. Go to storytellerslive.org and click on the Cambodia campaign icon. Thanks so much for all of your support so far. We're thrilled with where we are and there's just a few days left. And so thanks for supporting Storytellers and Never Thirst and bringing clean water to women. Okay. Hi. (laughs) Um, I am really excited to be here. Um, I am humbled to be here because I'm sure like a bunch of you in here, you don't feel like parts of your life are worthy to be shared. um, But I know... 
I would say probably up until about the last three years, I have heard lots and lots of people say over and over that God's talking through me, or I pray that God's word would be spoken through me. And I thought that was all good and well, but I think internally I would roll my eyes at that thinking that that was a very church statement. But I can say right now that I fully do believe that this is God's story and that he is written through me and that literally anything that I've said or anything that I've done is all by his grace. I've prayed kind of coming into this that God would keep me humble because when you're writing your story, it's a whole lot about you. And I wanted to make sure that he shined through. And I chuckled a little bit to myself last night as a late night moment of humbling. Um, I'm a big Georgia fan and I love the Georgia Bulldogs. My parents went to Georgia. My grandfather played at Georgia. I spent my entire childhood in Athens. Um, and last night during the first half of the game, I was pumped and I was all in. And the second half, I was very humbled. So um, I apologize to my mom and all the Georgia fans who um, I may have prayed a lot of humbleness for Georgia on my behalf so that I woke up this morning ready, ready to be here humble and all. But in all seriousness, I'm Lauren Beckner. I think I know most of you. I'm so grateful that you're here. I live with my husband, Jason, who is here of 16 years. Babe, you're in good company. The only man here, He, for all of you who know me, we live in our own small sorority house. And so Jason is used to being around all women. We have four daughters, ages 13, 11, 9, and 5, who we love dearly. And if you can imagine what a house full of girls is like, it's all that you imagine. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of glitter. It's a lot of dancing. It's a lot of fighting and drama and all that um, God has gift, gifted us with that. As I thought about sharing my story, the starting point I wanted to talk about about two years ago on December 7th of 2018, I um, was at St. Vincent's having a breast biopsy. And this was after I had found a hard lump and gone to my OBGYN, and then I did a diagnostic mammogram and an ultrasound, which the radiology tech felt like, like was highly suspicious of malignancy, so they sent me to get a biopsy. And so I did that, and we left the office knowing that our that was on a Thursday, and what they said is that your results will not be back in until at least next week. And so there was a whole lot of anxiety and fear, but that day is significant, the December 7th, because our family for the last couple of years during the Christmas holidays reads and boss camps unwrapping the greatest gift it's an advent devotional that you read through the month of december and one every night leading up to christmas day and it walks right along god's word and just tells a beautiful story and at least any of you have a perfection picture of me and our family sitting by the fireside reading it every single night in december i can guarantee you that is not how it happens and there are multiple nights when we are five or ten days behind on the devotion however two years ago we were right on target on december 7th and part of the devotion that was read that that i had read before but i think i heard it for the first time she said worry is belief gone wrong because you don't believe that god will get it right but peace Peace is believed that exhales because you believe God's provision is everywhere like air. And I heard those words and it was a huge moment for me to stop and think because what I realized is if fully believing God was who he said he was and that he would do what he said he would do, then that was me open-handedly exhaling and not holding on to anything. And the opposite of that would be the inhale and the holding everything tight to my chest. 
I grew up in Marietta, Georgia, in a Christian home with a mom and a dad, an older sister and a younger brother. Um, I say I grew up in a Christian home because we were in church every time the doors opened. The gospel was presented by my mother. The church that we went to um, was a wonderful, uh, truth, biblical church that we um, were surrounded by so many people who knew God's word and pushed us towards it. But those type things don't necessarily make you a Christian. I will say that my faith is deeply rooted due to my mother, who my entire life has pursued Jesus endlessly, who has walked hand in hand with him through every difficulty and has been a light to me and the reason that I myself have wanted to pursue the Lord so hard. Knowing that I did have a Christian family, we all know, I'm sure here, that doesn't mean that everything's perfect. Unfortunately, my parents' marriage was a very difficult one. I did not grow up seeing the way that a husband should treat a wife the way that he should love her or the way that he should take care of her, quite the opposite. I did not grow up seeing the way a father should love his children or treat his children or take care of them. But in spite of that, having my mother who walked so closely, even in such a difficult marriage, I had a great childhood and um, know through my mom's prayer constant prayer warrior life of praying for us. I had many men in my life who were father figures, some of my best friends' fathers who treated me like I was their own, some uncles. So I got to see what um, a father's love should be. Throughout that time growing up, I learned as a middle child how to keep the peace to to not disrupt the family, um, to keep the anger at bay. Um, I learned very quickly from my older sister what not to do and very quickly knew that I was very capable to make things be peaceful. So we were walking on eggshells a lot of time, but I learned if I did the right things, if I performed really well and to my best ability that, you know what, things were okay and things weren't disruptive and we could keep that cycle going. And so the confidence in myself and my ability grew in that regard. We kind of continued on until my uh, summer before my senior year of high school. My brother, I have a younger brother, he was diagnosed at age 13 with systemic lupus. And for those of you who don't know, it's a connective tissue disorder. It's an autoimmune disease that mainly affects women, 20s, 30s, 40s. But he was a 13-year-old boy, so it was very uncommon. It took a long time for him to be diagnosed. And when he was, it was a difficult diagnosis because treatment options and what they knew to do were hard to come by. But those are one of those things that I remember it was devastating to my family. But again, I looked to my mom and the way that she responded and her faith never wavered. We 100% followed the Lord. That time with my brother being sick created more tension in my parents' marriage, created more tension in me. I remember in high school realizing that the anxiety I'd felt trying to keep peace younger and as I'd gotten older was me literally and figuratively holding my breath. I would find myself sometimes in trying to keep everything in check at home that I was holding my breath um, figuratively, trying to, or literally cleaning up stuff or making things everything was perfect so there wouldn't be a disruption. And when um, Jonathan got sick, some of that started to fall apart because that was something I could do nothing about. But my mom had always said, and I'd heard this from the church, which is a great statement, Um, do your best and let God do the rest. But for my personality, it fed something in me that was not healthy. And so it fed, uh, do everything you're capable of. You're so capable, Lauren, you can do this, you can keep the peace, you can keep things going. So you do all the things you're capable of. 
And the things that you're not, yeah, give those to God. And so Jonathan, I couldn't help. So it was easier, easy and easier for me to give over his illness and him. And I continued on, um, went to college, went to Stanford, um, which side note, I will say my grandfather only allowed me to go to a school in Alabama because Stanford were still technically bulldogs. But um, went to Stanford, was surrounded by amazing Christian um, women, some of who are here, and continued to seek out people who reminded me of my mom as far as push themselves toward the Lord. And so I was doing that. And I can honestly say the verses of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, I believe to my core. And I would have told you day in and day out, that's what I was doing. I loved him with all of me. I, you know, I wanted to give him everything that was mine, but there was still a struggle, an internal struggle that I don't even think I understood. My sophomore year, two things, uh, my cousin, little cousin at the time who was three years old, passed away in a tragic accident. And then my parents divorced and they'd been going through that process for the last two years. And although because the marriage was so difficult, it would seem like divorce was a breath of fresh air. Um, Still as a child growing up and in some legalism of Christianity, you want your family to stay together. And divorce seems like a taboo subject. And so it was pretty devastating to me. So there was a good period of about two years in there where I kind of had to come apart and thought, I've been doing all the right things because they're the right thing to do. But I had no grounding for myself of knowing why I did or didn't do certain things. And so for the last two years of college, I decided to do whatever I wanted. And I did. And I had fun. And I will say I still walked with the Lord. But looking back now, on the outside, it was someone who went out and did whatever she wanted during the week and on the weekend. But on Sunday, I was in church. So visually, that looked like I was walking far away from the Lord. But I will say, probably early on, it was the same thing. It just looked different because I was holding in control my life, except for my Sunday life was his. But it looked really good because I was doing all the right things. And then for the last two years in college, it fell apart a little bit more. But it was the same thing because I had never fully given over that control to the Lord. I was still choosing what I wanted to do. Thankfully, I kind of got back on track and realized that wasn't the direction I wanted to go in. Um, graduated college and got my first job where I met Jason and he became one of my best friends. And I know that all the way through college, I continued in that cycle of every time there was something bad that happened, I was waiting for the next shoe to drop. There had been lots of things, some not mentioned within my family, that um, had been very difficult to walk through. And even as we went, um, as after I graduated college, there was a lot of dynamics in my family that were happening that um, really caused me to turn inward. And just the anxiety was extremely high in me. And as a child, I had been taught that verse that I'm sure we all know from Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that says, Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And I had loved that verse and taken to heart that verse. But one of the things that Jason pointed out to me, whether he remembers it or not, is that right before that verse, Philippians 4, 5b, it says, The Lord is near. And I don't think I'd ever read those three words right before that verse, but it was transforming in me because what I realized is the anxiety that I felt and the desire to fix every little thing 
And the fact that I was so capable to do stuff had really keeping me from being near to the Lord had separated because when you put up walls and when you are self-sufficient, you don't leave a whole lot of room. Another verse that I thought was just ironic during all of this is when God talks about being able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we could think or ask. I remember after college thinking, how can God do immeasurably more when I'm doing it all? If I'm not leaving him room to do anything in me, how can I expect that verse of immeasurably more for me to be able to see that in my life through the Lord? I'm not leaving room. Jason and I became the best of friends. He knew everything about me. He knew all the ugliness of my family life, all the drama that was still going on. He knew everything I had done. I knew every bad thing about him too. And... (laughs) And we were great friends. And then it turned into a relationship of someone that I fell in love with and ended up marrying. And I remember my wedding day being one of the best days of my life because I was marrying my best friend. But more than anything, I had met someone who knew all about me, who knew everything wrong, who knew all of my faults, all of my failures, and my walls were down. And I wasn't trying to pretend to be anything. I wasn't trying to fix anything. I was exhaling But I will say I was exhaling probably toward the wrong person. We got married. We had a great marriage, had our first daughter, then our second daughter and our third daughter. And honestly, things, I mean, we had some bumps in the road, some stuff with jobs that were hard. But Jason and I both were pursuing the Lord. Jason has always um, pushed me to Jesus. No expectations. He would say many times to me, you put so much pressure on yourself, like, I don't, I don't feel for you to do anything, but you put so much pressure on yourself. And I remember at times hearing God's still small voice in my, in my heart saying like, no one's asking you to be so perfect. No one's asking you to do everything. But there was just innately that voice in me that says, if you're capable, you should. God's given you these abilities, Lauren. You should use your gifts. You should use what you've been given. You are able. You're able to do these things. So say yes. So keep doing things. Keep pushing. We had my fourth daughter, who um, many of y'all know and love, and um, she may have wrestled a little bit in me because she was just a a different, a different um, girl to the party, and. She, there were some moments of, I don't have control of this one. And I had controlled the other two really well. And I say that saying that's not a good thing. But I can look back and say that my other three lined up really well. They're ducks in the row. And this one didn't want to stand in the line. And so, um, again, I felt God's still voice of saying, Lauren, this isn't about you. You're not inviting me to your story. You are loving me. You know so much about me. You're loving others, but you're not letting me drive your story. Three years ago on August 31st, um, I was supposed to be teaching at Covenant. Our teaching partners, we kind of traded off and on. That day I was supposed to teach, and by the grace of God, I ended up not going. Last minute, I'm so sorry, Carrie. I remember I was supposed to teach for you, and I didn't. But I had not been feeling good for about a week and a half. Our neighborhood kind of had stomach bug going around. My girls had a stomach bug. I kept pushing it off, pushing it off. I ended up um, that morning, Reese is a fifth grader, made breakfast for everyone. Um, Luckily, they had packed their lunches the night before. Jason was out of town. 
I drove Autumn to Covenant. I have no idea how. I don't remember taking her in. I drove myself to St. Vincent's Hospital. I had already decided that I was bleeding internally from a ruptured C-section because I'd had four of them. And since all my brother's stuff, and because I'm very capable and I know things, I had already determined my diagnosis. Bless my OBGYN because I can only imagine the state that I was in when I went into her and explained to her what I thought my um, problem was. They did a blood test and immediately she came back out and put me in a wheelchair and told me, we don't know what's wrong, but you are very, very sick. And they wheeled me down to the emergency room. Insert God's amazing hand of my childhood best friend for now 42 years who happened to be calling to see if I wanted to go to lunch and she didn't realize that she would be coming to be my ER assistant to take me around. But long story short, my appendix had ruptured. It had been ruptured for a few days. My body had basically become septic. And um, in the words of the surgeon, I was very lucky to have survived it. They power washed my insides. That's his words, not mine. But it got bad to the point I was in the hospital for 13 days. But during that time, my body wasn't responding to the antibiotics and my organs were not, some not waking up from the surgery and some just starting to not respond. So they then put a tube, an NG tube in my nose, down my throat, all those things. So I wasn't eating and it was a very, very dark time. Um, There was a 12-hour period, I think it was day four, when as audibly as I could say I've ever heard it, I heard a very dark voice um, speaking to me saying, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the mom you wanted to be. You, Jason won't have his wife back. This is, you know, taking you down in a sense. And it was a depression and a darkness and scary. Jason was, was there for part of it one night when it was, there was so much anxiety and fear that I felt like I was losing my mind. He left to go be with the girls that next day. And I remember it being so dark. And then I remembered what I'd always known is that in the darkness, God's light shines the brightest. And I had read Ann Voskamp's, another book of hers, A Thousand Gifts, a year before And so I got out my phone, and the note is still on there from 2017, and I began to type the things that I was grateful for. And y'all, they start with, my toes are wiggling. There's air conditioning in the room. I'm going to be able to get up and walk. I have doctors. I'm at UAB. No, I was at St. Vincent's. Sorry, wrong story. At St. Vincent's. Um, All these things that honestly sound silly, but as I did it, it began to pull me out of a pit. I can honestly say God's word that talks about over and over about giving thanks, about having a grateful heart, about being thankful. It is why when you, when you read the scriptures and read the scriptures, God talks so much and God's people talk about coming to him and lamenting, but then giving thanks because it changes something in you. And I remember coming out and thinking, oh my gosh, how, how was that person for, how was I that person for 12 hours? I'm not a depressive person. I'm not, uh, um, things are at the, at its worst. Things are never going to get better. How was I that person? But I know how, because Satan will do his best at any time to grab a hold of you and take whatever you hold up, which would have been my family at that time, that whatever I was holding the tightest and to say he will destroy it. And so what that did for me is it allowed me to realize hands open, hands open, Lord. Okay, 
Because what I know is I could be gone tomorrow. We all should know that, but that reality made it a whole lot more real for me that this could all be gone. So the stuff that doesn't matter, let it go. The stuff that you would let go of, Lauren, let it go. The things that you are continually running round and round and round, don't hold those so tightly. Don't squeeze them. We walked out of that, thankfully. I got better, took a a little bit longer than I would have liked to to recover, but I got better and had a newfound sense of who God was in my life and what was important and how I didn't want to walk around. I didn't want my girls to see me controlling and worrying about their schoolwork, worrying about what team they're going to be on or what group they're going to be on, or if we got invited to this or that, all the things that all of us deal with, but that don't really matter because when the hard things hit, those are things you will let go of. Those things will not matter anymore. Back to where I started on December 7th. It was five days before we got the outcome of my biopsy. Even though we prayed intensely for it not to be, I think in my heart I knew that it would be cancer. I got the call on a Wednesday. I was driving carpool and my doctor called and said, are you somewhere where you can talk? And I said, I have a car full of kids. I'm driving home from school. And she said, well, I want you to call me back on this number. It's my cell phone. But she said, I do just want to tell you that um, it is invasive cancer. We do not have all the biopsy results back, but it is um, invasive cancer. And so I very systematically wrote down what she said, came home. Jason was out of town again and got the girls and all of our kids dropped off, called her back, walked through it with her. But I all had a piece because What was starting to creep back up as soon as I heard that bad news was the inhale and, okay, I got this. I got this. Yes, I read the exhale, but I got this. Um, Okay, it's probably not going to be cancer. Lord, you've taught me what I needed to know. You taught me last year. I've gotten it hands open, and surely you're not going to have me have cancer because you wouldn't put my family through that. You would not put my mother through this because she's had to walk through it all with all my siblings and with her marriage. So surely the answer is going to be no. We went, I don't even know the timeline, but after having a PET scan to the oncologist and I walked into that meeting, y'all, I had just a piece and I was excited. I was kind of making jokes in the waiting room with Jason and hearing people's name being called and talking about all different things because I knew what they were going to say is the PET scan was wrong. And after doing all these scans that It was clear because I'd gotten this peace from the Lord, and I just knew. And Jason, on the other hand, had some apprehension and tension. Well, we walked in, and what they said was, it's there. You've got the, the breast cancer, invasive breast cancer. It's an aggressive kind. The good news is we do feel like it's treatable. But you're going to have to have a double mastectomy, and you're going to have to have chemo, and you're going to have to have radiation, and you're going to do a year of targeted treatment. And I remember... As soon as he started saying that, like, I couldn't hear anything else. It was just all going over my head. And we walked out, and Jason was so happy. He was so grateful because his fear going in was it wasn't going to be treatable, and it was treatable. But my fear going in, I knew it wasn't going to be cancer. And so I walked out of there, and when they said that, it was a honestly, a slap in the face. And I didn't understand because I thought, Lord, you've given me this peace. And so I got on my phone and I Googled what the word cancer meant. Because for some reason, 
that word is, it's a scary word. It's a horrible word. And I just wanted to have an understanding. And y'all, if God didn't speak clear in this moment, the word means crab. That's the Greek word of it. And the reason that cancer is called what it is, is because a crab looks like this. Its fingers are wrapped around a cell, just like the way a claws go around something of a crab claw. And I heard God's voice saying, this is you. Yes, you have physical cancer, Lauren, but you are starting to release the cancer of control in your life. This last year and through this, we are going to let go. You are going to let go. That symbolic visual of the crab and something wrapped around a cancer cell just released me. And I remember at that moment saying, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. Hands open. I believe you're going to get it right. I trust worry is saying that I don't trust you. So I trust you. So I will do the double mastectomy. I will do the, I will do the chemo. I will do the radiation. I will do all the things. And I don't know what the end result will be, but I trust that you're going to get it right. And y'all, I will say for the last almost two years, so it's almost been two years since my diagnosis, I have seen God do more in my life because I've let him in than ever before. I have given up control on so many things. And honestly, I hate to say this phrase, the phrase I don't care when my children say I, I do not like for them to say that, but I have not cared about a lot of things. And it is so freeing to let things go. The song Fight My Battles was, I think that all of you sent to me during my diagnosis and I loved it. I held on to it tightly. But one of the things it talks about is about being surrounded. And God clearly told me, Lauren, you've been consumed. You've been consumed with doing the good things, the right things, helping people, loving people, all these great things. But just because you are capable doesn't mean you are supposed to. Just because you are able doesn't mean you are supposed to. In fact, most of the time when you are capable, you need to stop and ask the question of, Lord, is this even anything you want me to do? So that um, mantra of, okay, Lord, I want to be surrounded by you and not consumed by other things. Um, my first chemo treatment, I had my earbuds in. Jason was sitting beside me listening to that song. They started my um, chemo going and they increased the speed and as they did, the culmination of that song got louder and louder. And then all of a sudden, I felt so sick. I couldn't breathe. I felt like the clothes and my jewelry was so tight. I started ripping off my sweater and ripping off clothes. And I was having an anaphylactic reaction to the chemotherapy in the middle of that song. They immediately stopped the chemo and gave me medications to counteract stuff. But y'all, again, it was a picture of... I felt like the Lord saying, you are moving in the right direction. You are moving in the right direction. But this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a struggle. Satan's not giving up. In fact, the fact, Lauren, that you are deciding for the first time to be open hands with me, the struggle is going to be a lot harder. The fact that you are at this point able to say, these four girls 
you gave them to me and I'm not going to determine what they're going to do tomorrow or in a year or in the next five years. You are going to determine that. I'm going to lay it at your feet. I'm not going to worry about Jason and his job or our relationship. I'm going to lay it at your feet. And so guess what? The devil is going to come at you and I will say he has with everything physically, losing your hair, having a double mastectomy, weight gain from chemotherapy, all the things. It's horrible. It is awful. I don't want anyone to go through it, but it is also a way for God to humble you and to be able to, when I was like this with my hands open, to see the enemy come in so quickly and to be able to capture each lie of Jason's not going to want to be with you anymore because of the way that you look. And to be able to say, you know what, that's not true. To have people's assumptions about you to be dispelled because I could clearly call out the lies because I was open-handed with my life and spending my time in God's word. I could tell that the more I spent time with God's word, the less and less I cared about the other things. The moment by moment I was with him and all this stuff, y'all, I've known my entire life, all these things that I had grew up hearing and knowing, but were being just rung true in my heart for the first time doing, I did uh, three months of chemo. It was not fun, but God's community, you people here and so many else are the people who rallied around me and pushed me toward him. And I would not be here without him and without so many of you here. But I will say it it took me every ounce of my physical strength to be able to push through so many things, to want to even go to chemo, to put on a smiling face for my girls who this was so difficult for. But there was the God's word about there being a peace that passes understanding, me being able to say over and over daily, it had to be a daily thing of Lord, this is really hard. And honestly, it's really awful. And I remember on the 10th, 11th, and 12th treatment, I did not want to go. I sobbed at least two of them beforehand, not wanting to go because it felt so awful. And I felt like I was losing everything of my physical being. But the verse in the Bible of our outwardness slowly wasting away became so true in me realizing that this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter, Lord. What matters is what you are redeeming out of me, what you are bringing forth so that my girls can see it's not the outside. Yes, you know what? Mom's really sad about losing her hair. I was really sad about losing my hair. But you know what? Number one, it has grown back. And number two, the outward stuff will go away. We don't get to choose when it does. We don't have that opportunity, but the inward stuff is what matters. The example that we set for our children, the example, Lauren, God, that you are telling me how I'm supposed to love my children well and how I'm supposed to be showing them to love you well so that they don't get tied up in trying to fix and do everything. I um, I just realized more and more that my dependence on him, it took away anything, it took away anything else. My dependence on him allowed me to let all of this stuff go. And so I would say a takeaway for me has been, and I hope I keep it so near, is that anything that if I would let it go during things that are really hard, 
if there is anything that would not be something that you would want to take for the rest of your life, then go ahead and let that thing go. Allow for myself what I'm reminding myself of the stuff that I spend up at nighttime worrying about for my children or for my family, for my mom, for my sister, for my brother. All I can do is lay it before him and ask that he uses it. And I will say, like I said at the beginning, that God truly does want us to walk with him day in and day out. And he truly does give us all that we need. At the lowest physical point and mental point in me, I can fully say that when I chose to um, look to him and to walk with him, I mean, he was um, my everything and still is. And I don't say that as like a churchy answer, but I say that as fully feeling it and fully seeing him be able to heal me from the inside out, not just through my cancer, but through the mindset of allowing him to orchestrate my steps instead of me being the one to choose the direction that I'm going. And I'm just so grateful. I would never want anyone to walk through any of the medical stuff and definitely not the cancer. And uh, Lord willing, it will not come back. But I will say I would do it again because the perspective to see God in a new light, the perspective to see other people, to be able to have compassion and empathy um, for people who are divorced after seeing my parents divorced, for people who have family members who are chronically ill, for people who walk through cancer, for people who lose their hair for a number of different reasons, there is a compassion and empathy that I would have never been able to have for people, a way that I can pray for people that I would have never had. So when God says for us to join in the sufferings, I'll tell y'all, no one wants suffering, but I will say with an open hand, I'm so grateful. I will take it again to have the perspective that he's given me. You know, I loved listening to Lauren's story because I've known her for years and she's a personal friend and our girls are friends. And it's always so interesting to me when you hear somebody's story that you've known for a very long time. You know, it's really, again, like you said in the beginning, Katie, why we started Storytellers. Mm -hmm. People are friends and then you hear all this backstory. And Lauren and I always laugh that we are a lot alike. And when she talked about do your best and let God do the rest, and how capable she was, that really struck a chord with me because one, that's just a saying, you know, it's not biblical biblical to say, do your best and let God do the rest. But we hear it all the time. And for her to say, well, I was capable, so I could do a whole lot. And, and I feel that, and I get that. And I think so many of us as women, especially Christian women can fall into that trap. Yeah. I I think, to, you know, listening to you even say that right now reminds me of a book that I read years ago that was um, having a merry spirit in a Martha world, Mm -hmm. because I feel like, especially in the United States, that it is just all about accomplishing and doing. And that even rolls over into our faith of just really, we think we're giving God control, but we're so busy doing things to try to make it work out the way we want it to. And like she said, at one point in in her um, story, she said, God said, okay, are you going to let me drive this story or are you? <laughs> and that is, that is something I think that we all need a reminder about, at least I do, of just really opening my hands to God and saying, okay, not my will, but your will be done. In big situations that mm-hmm. she faced, but also in just our daily lives, you know, the, those, mm-hmm. those simple choices that we make or 
emotions that we feel when something happens to us, how we're going to react to that. And just what you said, Katie, that's a continuous theme with us yes. as women, <laughs> for whatever reason, we forget to have the open hands posture. I love how she talked about her girls, especially number four. I mean, the <laughs> Lord tries to teach us so much through our children. And, um, you know, me personally going through breast cancer and then hearing her breast cancer story mm -hmm. and hearing how Satan tried to creep in, in those dark times and, you know, whatever she was holding most tightly to her marriage, her girls, then he was trying to get in her head about that. And again, we've talked about it on Storytellers. That is the enemy trying to take control of your thoughts. And we have to cling to what is true. Mm -hmm. She also, in that darkest moment when she was in the hospital, she clung to gratitude. We talk about that too, because, you know, even our worst problems or our worst circumstances, mm -hmm. you know, if we're honest, sometimes they're really not that bad. And she was just able to claim very little like, I'm just thankful that I can wiggle my toes. Yeah. And so that's, that's an encouragement. Like if you're going through something, what is the gratitude? What are the things yeah. that you can be thankful for? I love it that. Does, it does. It reminds me of um, A Thousand Gifts by Ann Boskamp. Yeah, she referenced that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know Christmas is around the corner. That is such a great book and Bible study to go through of just, it, it's just getting in the habit of writing down what you're thankful for. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, we can think, oh yeah, I'm thankful for this or that, but getting in the habit of actually writing it down and going through what you're thankful for makes that shift in your mind to think differently. We've talked about that in, in some past episodes of just how powerful your mind is. And by being thankful in the moment, it does, it changes, changes your mind. Yeah. It changes your perspective. Even this morning, I was just sitting with the Lord for a little bit before, before we got ready for our day. And it was that very thing of just of shifting your mindset. It's so easy to get caught, especially right now. We're now on what month eight of life being upside down. 18, 80, <laughs> 84. We're in month 8,060. <laughs> and it, it's so easy to just get inside yourself, get inside your head, you know, be looking down and, and it's all about opening your hands and looking up. That's right. Letting God, letting God lead that. Well, thanks for joining us today. We hope that you loved Lauren's story. We would love for you to share it with a friend, pass it along. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook on all the social media places at Storytellers Lab Podcast. If you want to join our email list, we would love it. We just send out a weekly email, nothing major. We let you know of new podcasts and upcoming things. You can sign up for that at StorytellersLive.org. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.